Hey, welcome to Fans in Exile, the podcast about baseball fandom. Here it is, February 14th, and we're slowly getting back into it. I'm going to have a great guest coming up this week, and I'm not going to spoil it by telling you who it is. Sorry about the kind of echoey sound to my voice today. Um, we're just recording in the living room. You might hear the wind howling outside. We had, uh, I don't know, about four or five inches of snow last night and uh, blizzard-like conditions today with howling wind and uh, snow drifts. So baseball seems a long way away, but in fact, it's about five days till pitchers and catchers report for most Major League Baseball teams. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the Little League scandal. Uh, that is the Jackie Robinson West team from Chicago, Illinois, that won the uh, national title at the Little League World Series in Pennsylvania in 2014. They had their title stripped this last week after Little League International determined that the coaches and parents had cheated and included players from outside the established geogra geographical boundary uh, of the team. And uh, I'm not going to go into super particulars about Jackie Robinson West. I'm a little disappointed in some activists I follow from Chicago who are addre addressing um, uh, violence in the community of Chicago, particularly particularly gun violence, and they've had a bit of a knee-jerk reaction in defending this team. I, I agree that it's tragic for the kids. Uh, the kids are just kind of going along with what the adults are doing. The kids are focused on playing baseball and playing it well and, you know, uh, going along with what the adults tell them. The adults saying, it's okay, it's okay, and uh, I feel terrible for them. But the fact is um, that cheating was used to assemble the team. And uh, here's my experience with Little League so far. Um, Geographical boundaries are very well established, and they're negotiated and confirmed and certified uh, on the local level to state level to regional level. It, it has to be approved up that chain, and you cannot make a unilateral change at any of those levels. It has there has to be approval and understanding. And um, here in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, we have three uh, divisions of Little League. We have Pittsfield West, Pittsfield North, and Pittsfield South. And when you go sign up your child for Little League, uh, usually at a fire station or the Boys and Girls Club, etc., there is a map there defining the leagues. And the uh, officers of the league who are there at sign-up are ex just very aware of the geographical boundaries of their particular division. And they'll confirm it on the map, 
and they'll let you know right there that if you are if you are in the wrong league sign up. So they'll say, "Oh, well, it looks like your address is here. That would mean that you're a, a little league north as your geographical boundary." Now there are some exemptions to this that you can apply for. This stuff is not written in stone. It's it's uh, not uh, not inflexible, and uh, the purpose of Little League was to include kids from the same neighborhoods and the same schools and and so forth to kind of create a homogenous group of kids. These are kids from this part of this town is the idea. And these kids are friends, they're playmates, they're schoolmates, and so on. And it's the school part where you have some flexibility. If you have choiced your kid into another school within the district, you know, you've said, well, I don't want him going to this elementary school or middle school, I want him going into this middle school, for whatever reason, academics, convenience to your job, a class size, or whatever. It doesn't matter the reason. Um, if your kid is in a another school in your district that is not the default school for your geographical location, you can apply to have your kid be in the Little League division where the school is. So you can live in one division and have your kid go into another division based on where they go to school. The thing is you can't just flip around from year to year. So in our case, we live in Pittsfield West. Uh, my son goes to school at a elementary school in the Pittsfield South Division, and he could have been in the Pittsfield South Division. Um, but we wanted to do stuff on this side of town. Well, we like the ballpark on this side of town. And um, uh, it, it, in terms of coming home and getting equipment and so on, it just made more sense for him to be in Pittsfield West, which has a long tradition and... Um, it's, it's a good, it has been a good league. Uh, so, again, there is some flexibility there. Um, but to, to paint a picture that the parents were unaware of cheating happening or that the coaches were unaware and so on, it's just ridiculous. It's just not... When, when you're in going to games within your division... The teams play games with other teams from within their division and then against teams from other divisions. And within a season, you're very aware of, you know, which kid is in which division and who lives where. You know, there's no mystery to it. Within one season, you're like, oh, who's this kid? This is Pittsfield South. Oh, but he, oh, okay, you know, you... you you know, uh, of course, kids who are more athletic or, or um, who are playing better, understand the game better, the, they will pique your interest and you'll inquire about, oh, who are they, where do they live, and so on. Uh, there is no such thing as a mystery player that just kind of shows up from nowhere. I mean, you, you know all about that. So the, the parents were very aware in Chicago and again, the, the marketing of that team, the positioning of it by the media, and I think by the team themselves, was that they were an urban, this all-black urban team. And, you know, from the inner city, 
and isn't this a success? This is, isn't this a success story, and so on. Um, when in fact they were not. They were bringing kids in from the suburbs. They were bringing kids in from the suburbs, uh, and uh, to, to bolster that team. And uh, to lie like that is just—it's unconscionable. And I, I know that now they're getting attorneys involved and all this stuff. You know, just take your lumps, admit you're cheating, and just get out of there. Um, the, the, I've seen people talking about, oh, well, when money is involved, you know, people will do anything. I, I, I'm sure maybe, you know, the coaches or something could have made some kind of video series or written a book about how to bring how they successfully brought an inner city team to the World Series or, or whatever. But as a coach in Little League, as a uh, local and regional officer within Little League, you don't make any money. I think they might they make money. I know that there's a CEO of Little League International. I went and looked at the records. He makes $300,000, which seems like a lot, but they are a pretty large organization, and he has to go and get donations and, and, and so on. He has to be a competent CEO, and, you know, um, I, I don't know about the idea of somebody working for free, you know, on this and having it being, being sustainable. But pretty much all the way up to the, to the regional management uh, of Little League, it's all volunteers. I mean, nobody gets paid to do anything at our little league. Nobody gets paid to mow the lawn, mow the field and do it. It's all volunteers. It's all volunteers. Money is raised at the snack stand and, uh, you know, other fundraisers that are done, um, you know, to pay for gas. But, you know, these guys are bringing their own mowers out to mow the field and everybody goes and there's a big spring cleanup and you're out there for a few days, and there are some coaches who are there all day long, both days of the weekend for several weekends in a row, trying to get the field ready and do repairs and paint. And I mean, it's very dedicated. And that, again, is why this cheating is truly awful, because the, that team had no respect for the volunteerism that makes Little League even possible. Okay, that is what's bad. And there's, there's nothing racial about any of this, you know, that they're being attacked and it's a racist attack on them. Um, if you go back through the history of Little League, other teams have been sanctioned, had titles stripped, all white teams. I mean, people look at something happened to a team from the Philippines who had older kids in there. I mean, that's another frequent way of cheating is that you fake the birth certificate and you have 14 and 15 year olds playing against 12 year olds, which is unconscionable. Um, and, and so that kind of sanctioning has happened in the past. Um, but I think to, to collude and, and uh, cheat this system that is 90-something percent volunteer-driven is really awful. And um, if anybody should be getting a lawyer, it's, it's you know, the, the volunteer people who, you know, uh, have seen their efforts kind of dashed by this team. They should be sued, is what it should happen. And 
this, uh, well, this is racist and you're depriving these, you know, young black people and this and that. Hey, uh, Jackie Robinson West defeated the team from Philadelphia, the Monet Davis team, which was mostly black. I think they had two white kids and a couple Hispanic kids on that team, um, but it was a mostly black team. So they defeated them and knocked them out of the tournament and knocked them out of going to the championship round. Who, who's depriving who? You know, that, that team from Philly didn't cheat anybody. And they got denied going to the championship round by a team of, of put together by cheaters. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to say uh, about, uh, you know, again, the racial part. You know, I'm, I'm really sensitive about this kind of thing. And, and but from working within Little League, um, uh, I don't think uh, that that really can be pointed to. A lot of people are saying, well, that white team from Las Vegas is raising a stink. They had nothing to do with it. The team from Las Vegas had nothing to do with this. Um, it was first investigated in November by, I think, a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist who looked into uh, some rumors about some of the players coming from outside of the geographical limits, uh, outside of Chicago city limits. And so he looked at it and presented his evidence. Uh, and, and then I think, uh, some, some, uh, coaches or, uh, from the, the suburban division, somebody filed a complaint, a uh, formal complaint about it. So that's how that happened. Now, where did Little League International make a mistake? Uh, I think that teams that make it to the uh, regional championships, the regional championships, they should have uh, sh some kind of vetting. Somebody should audit them at that point, and, and that should happen. Uh, if that costs some money to do that, then figure out what the cost is so that this is taken care of long before it gets to the World Series, you know, that 10 days or so in, in uh, Pennsylvania. So that is a real, that, that's where Little League International could do better. You know, uh, find out who's in the regionals, audit them, audit them by some kind of entity outside of each region. And, um, uh, you know, so it's taken care of there. Because obviously, you know, the Chicago team is no longer the central or Midwest uh, regional champion you know, as well. So, like, who did they defeat there to become the regional champion? Well, they deprived those teams uh, and those young people of making it to the World Series. So, it goes back a ways, and I think uh, that that is some way that they could improve it. But I, I uh, um, you know, I haven't seen any commentary on some of the Facebook youth baseball pages that I follow, um, and I, uh, I haven't seen the commentary there that seems racist or racially oriented. You see a lot of people complaining about, hey, I've seen similar stuff around here, uh, and, you know, I, I wish there was a better way to address it or clean it up before it happens. And then some people comparing or it to travel ball or saying, well, travel ball teams get to take players from anywhere. And say, well, it's different. Little League 
is supposed to be very instructional, and again, it's supposed to be this, this, this distillation of a local, you know, the youth of a, of a specific local area who have come together and bonded to put together a team that goes all the way. That is, that is the, the uh, premise behind the organization. Travel ball is a different thing. There's travel ball teams like Stars and Stripes that will take kids from literally anywhere in the country to form a team. And then all those players fly to where a tournament is and they get together and do their practice for a few days and then they do a tournament over three days or so. And then they disband and go home for a couple months and then get together at another tournament. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, obviously extremely expensive and you have to be at a certain, you, you ought to have to be able to afford it. Um, which is, again, why, you know, Little League, I, I think our fee for Little League here was maybe $30, you know, <laughs> so for the season. It's, it's, a, it's affordable. And again, it's supposed to be this grassroots local effort and to ship these ki kids in from outside the geographic area is is really bad and I think actually Chicago uh, was part of this uh, effort by Little League International to bring in bring more kids from cities into the game they already had very uh, loose restrictions on the demographic, on the geographic area. Like you could kind of literally come in from almost anywhere within Chicago to choice into certain teams. You know, um, uh, it, it's just that you couldn't come from outside. You couldn't come in from the suburbs, you know. Uh, so part of that effort was to, you know, open up uh, the sport to more kids and because, you know, there are some kids from Chicago, same thing. They don't want to go to their local elementary school or local middle school for whatever reason. And they'll take the the subway or whatever to across town to go to another school. And they want to be in a ball team with kids that they're going to school with. So the effort from Little League was to make that possible. And even then, Jackie Robinson West couldn't stick to those rules. And they had to bring in ringers from outside their area so um, it is terrible and I feel you know uh, it's awful so but in terms of making money and all this stuff it's just silly and ridiculous um, you know uh, the, yes the tournament World Series tournament is broadcast and some of the regionals are broadcast on TV uh, but again there's subsidies you know, they help subsidize programs all over the place. There, there's no way that you can have a kid play a season of baseball for $30 and have it be, you know, because the, you get, the kid gets his uniform and everything from that $30, <laughs> a hat, a uniform, this, you know. Um, uh, so the subsidy, you know, subsidization of programs all over the place is possible through Little League. And... Um, I also saw some people complaining online that, you know, Little League is this dark organization in terms of it's not transparent. You can't see what's happening. I, I, I found some forms very easily online, the things that they have to submit as a nonprofit and so forth uh, that seem pretty apparent uh, 
you know, where money goes. Um, so I think it's something less than uh, less than 12% of money goes to administrative and whatever other costs and high 80% or 80-something, 80 86%, something like that, goes directly to funding Little League programs all over the place. So um, I think that complaint is unwarranted. Uh, again, it's tragic. You know, we watched almost every single game here of the last World Series, and then to have it come to this is really just, it's a, it's a failure, but it's a failure that was that uh, was exploited deliberately and cynically by this group uh, from Chicago. And there's nothing racist about it. Um, uh, it's funny, I, I have some friends who don't have Little League programs where they live. Um, actually, my co-host here, Mark Register, they don't do Little League where he is in St. Louis. They do School League, which I remember I did. Um, we had you, you had School Leagues where your elementary slash middle school kids from each school would go and try out for the team. And we had a great team. We had this team called the Green Machine. I forgot who our sponsor was. Uh, but we had this, you know, our t-shirts were green. We're out there in tough skins. We didn't even have, you know, baseball pants or anything like that. You just wore your tough skins out there in your Green Machine t-shirt. I think we had our last names on the back. It was really cool. And, uh, uh, and I think our, the lettering was all fuzzy. Uh, that, that was a big thing in the 70s there. Fuzzy letters on our t-shirts. And um, uh, we played against teams from other middle-slash-elementary school schools. Uh, when I was going to school, they consolidated all the schools, so almost you, you, you really didn't have that many separate elementary schools that didn't have uh, middle schools with them. So you kind of went to a school that was uh, like... Fourth, third, third or fourth through uh, eighth grade is what you went to, and um, so they would assemble teams from that. And I had a great time, had a blast. And then I went into um, it was called the majors, and I don't think it was little league either. And that was terrible. My coach there was awful. My my. School team was awesome. We had like I think two or th two or three girls, like three girls on our team, and they were great. They they kicked butt. I think my my first like kind of little girlfriend, Adele. She was a great player. I think she played shortstop, shortstop or second base, and she was uh, she was a great player. She could hit and oh, uh, great girl. And the camaraderie was awesome. And after games, you know, we'd all go out for pizza or go to the Dutch Goose in Menlo Park there, Sharon Heights, and I saw that they have hats. I'm going to buy one when I get some money together. So that was a fantastic experience. And then I went up to the majors where, you know, we had stirrups and pants and all this kind of stuff. And uh, that was a horrible experience. I, I All of a sudden I got shifted into like a, it wasn't as local uh, for me. I had to, it was, I had to go uh, our practices were like in Portola Valley, which was a, a good drive away from where I lived, and I didn't. Nobody from my school was on this team, so it was. And our, my coach was awful. You know, he, he was one of these. He played favorites, and uh, it wasn't instructional at all, um, and just truly a horrible man. Like I've had fantasies of like if I ever run into that guy, maybe he's dead now. 
Um, he, he had to be in his at least 30s or whatever when I was playing. And just a creep, just a total jerk. Really kind of turned me off to the game and, and uh, um, or just made, made it impossible for me to play. And because I didn't have a parent who was actively involved with my participation in baseball, he took advantage of it. You know, I didn't have a mom or a dad watching games and saying, hey, he's not treating you real well, or, you know, I'd be benched for innings. I was a good player. I was a, I was a very good player. Uh, my, my coach from school league uh, had tried to get me uh, for his team, but um, he, I think he, had a, he picked his son to be on his team first, and I think I was going to be a second or third pick, but I already got picked from the list of possible rookies. And um, it was awful. I mean, the, the, it, I, I, I uh, wow, that guy, it still makes me angry sometimes when I think about it. I remember sitting on bench and then the coach from the opposing team making a complaint to the umpire um, that I hadn't been put in the game because he had to be in for a minimum number of innings. And uh, so I got put in and I did great. I made some great catches. And then I remember that coach from that other team saying, Oh, I, th I thought I had, <laughs> I thought I was going to get somebody out there that was going to be terrible and, and we're going to get some hits off you, but you're really good. I don't know. Why aren't you playing in the, in the field? And I'm like, I don't, yeah, it's my coach doesn't put me out there. And so, yeah, that was really sad, a really sad end to playing baseball. So, uh, I'm trying to make up for it by being as supportive as I can, uh, for, for both my son and local baseball here in town. Uh, you know, I do a lot of volunteer work for our little league. Um, my son is also in a, a travel team uh, just because he wants to play more. Uh, our little league, an unfortunate, something unfortunate that I've noticed with our little league, and I think this is why people make the choice to do travel ball in addition to little league or just switch over completely to travel ball. Travel ball is, um, uh, again, since little league is a hundred percent volunteer, um, and based on where we live in the Northeast, we can have rain for weeks in the springtime. Uh, and the season is already short. Teams are supposed to form up in March. You don't really start playing till April, and then the season is over mid-June. So you barely get two months in there, and there's supposed to be 20 games. What I've noticed is that we do maybe 16 games or 15 games, and the other games don't get made up because it's volunteers, and the other coach you know, is working, and he can't do a rematch or whatever. You know, It's just not possible. So you have a kid like my son who likes to practice almost year round uh, baseball, like that's his sport. And you know, you play a dozen plus, you know, 15 or so games and it's over with, you know, and it's not even July. So that's very frustrating for him. And also Little League is this kind of nine through 12. And, and the kid can even turn 13 at some point in the year. So there's a bunch of older kids there. And there is kind of a seniority 
kind of uh, situation. Older players tend to play more, and so on. Uh, so that's a bit frustrating. Is is um, and, and some of the older players don't really like baseball. Uh, some parent because it's thirty bucks. Uh, I've noticed some parents treat little league as daycare to a certain extent. Like, oh well, at least the kid is off doing something uh, a couple days a week and for a couple months, and it only cost me thirty dollars. That's I literally what some parents do, and um, they're just not involved with with it, and they're using it as daycare, and they're not listening to their kid about the kid doesn't want to play that. They want to play something else. Um, so that is an unfortunate circumstance. So you'll have some kids around that have a bad attitude, or they're a bit older, you know, they're older and, uh, you know, very lackadaisical and, and so on. Uh, so my, my son's travel team, is a, it's a 10U team. All the players are 9 and 10 years old you know, um, on his team with, I'm sure some will turn 11, uh, this summer. So it's a much more age focused group of kids, which is better. Everybody's kind of on the same level in terms of their experiences and, and so forth. So, um, and also their size. I mean, there was a kid on my son's little league team last year who was, uh, maybe even taller than me and weighed more than me. And he had just turned 13. And my son uh, is like maybe 70 pounds, <laughs> you know? And this kid that was on his team was 220 pounds and six foot tall, uh, six, and a, six foot tall, one half inch, six foot one. So that's a huge range of size and so forth. Um, the funny thing is, is that my kid was a better player than him. <laughs> he got more, my kid got more hits and made more plays. So, um, but, you know, you, you can have a collision, you know, a 70-pound a, a kid running into, or the other way around, you know, a 220-pound kid running into a 70-pound kid. That's crazy. Um, Another reason why people go look at travel ball versus little league um, is also you know, like a bit more focused, you know, less fooling around. I think fooling around is great, and every there should be a time and place for it. But something I've noticed with little league teams is that there's just like kind of a lack of focus. You have these older kids that start to fool around, and the younger kids think, "Hey, I can do that too," and all of a sudden you're a babysitter, and you're not actually doing drills and and whatever else. Um, and then that's, it's not fun. It's not fun to have to constantly repeat the same instructions over and over and trying to get like, Hey, Hey guys, we're focusing on this. Hey guys, Hey, Hey, you know, I mean, that's not fun for the coach. And it's not fun for the kids who actually listen through it to, for the first time, the fourth time they they hear it, they're bored with it. And then their attention starts to, you know, go away. And again, we're not talking about practices that are three hours long, you know, or anything like that. So um, there's that. Uh, I did have another really salient point, um, but it's it's escaping me. Um, darn it. 
Oh well, but um, it, it's uh, you know th those are those are just a couple of the reasons why people look beyond Little League. I think Little League is still great. Oh yeah, the rules. Um, the Little League set of rules is actually very limiting, and I understand why they, it is to a certain point. I think it's also it goes back to the point of because the age range is so huge, um, but it's not true baseball rules. There's you know there's no stealing until the ball uh, goes past the plate, you know um, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, there's no leading off. You have to be back on the bag until the ball goes past the plate. Um, that's not real baseball. So, and I, I understand it. We're talking about short base lengths, and you have this wide range of kids in terms of age and physical maturity, and a six-foot-tall kid has fewer steps to make it from first to second than a four foot five kid, you know, um, so it's just not fair uh, for that. So uh, travel ball, you know, has leading off and box. You know, the pitcher can balk, and then bases get awarded, and you know, it's it's kind of the real deal. Um, whereas little league doesn't have that, in, in a in a number of different ways, and I think it's because of the age range. Well, why? Why do they have the age range? Why does that happen? Um, again, I think it's the local focus for Little League and part of its mission. And it's still very admirable um, because, you know, some areas will not have enough 10-year-olds to field a number of 10U teams so they can play against each other. You know, you want to have enough teams so it's interesting. There's nothing more boring than a season where two or three teams play each other over and over again. I mean, that's not fun. You want to have more teams, there's more variety, more opportunity. That's why Little League is like that, and it's great. Um, but if your kid wants to be a bit more advanced with it and have a bit more focus and is a bit more serious about it, uh, you know, you need to look beyond Little League. Uh, and again, I don't think Little League prepares kids for the next level as well as some other sports do. I mean, you're supposed to go from Little League to play in high school? That's crazy, you know, because <laughs> uh, the top end grade for Little Leaguers is, you know, eighth grade. Um, and then they're in high school and they're going to be trying out for the high school team, the junior varsity team, and they, when the base lengths are longer and there's stealing and all this kind of stuff that that's you know, it's already physically going to be a, a lot different um you know and around here we have uh, babe ruth league which is the supplemental league to high school so babe, babe ruth baseball they play on the larger field lar longer base paths and uh longer distance from pitcher's plate to home plate that's kind of the next step up for kids. Um, I have seen some debates lately about whether high school ball is even worth it. Uh, again, I think you can do both. <laughs> you know, you can do a, a travel ball team or Babe Ruth uh, and your high school 
uh, team, you know, and the priorities are established and coaches all understand that and they, it all gets worked out. So, um, uh, I don't know why you wouldn't play for your high school team. Seems just kind of silly to me unless, you know, the team is really bad and the coaching isn't, you know, very good. And, and it's just doesn't, it seems like more of a waste of time, you know, based on other factors. So anyway, this is a little bit rambly. I'm already at 36 minutes. Uh, just wanted to discuss this cheating scandal. Uh, I, I, I just think that that team in Chicago needs to go sit down and, you know, the, I, I feel terrible for those kids. It's horrible how they, their experience was exploited by the coaches and parents and the lo local officers who participated in faking maps and faking documents is what they did. They, they forged all this stuff. They, you know, it, it wasn't that they just, you know, said, Hey, it's, you know, just don't tell them your address or you know, like nothing like that. They, they took the time to make fake maps and make documents saying that it was okay for kids to come in from these other areas and present them as the real deal. You know, it was forged documents and it's, you know, it's awful. And I, I, the best thing would be for them to just stop and, uh, uh, and please stop using the race thing because that's ridiculous that that team deprived other kids. You know, there were, all, there were some all Hispanic teams who didn't make it and, you know, based on how the, the brackets were done, you know, and, and, uh, uh, again, look at Monet Davis's team. They got knocked out by Jackie Robinson West. It, who was deprived of what? It's disgusting. Anyway, thanks for listening. I'm going to have a great guest this week. Uh, stay warm if you're in a cold and windy and snowy place like I am. If you're in a sunny and warm place, go out and throw a ball around.